Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Tuesday again. (laughs) Fortunately, we got this one done on a Tuesday. Fortunately, before the Tuesday, it's actually the previous Friday, I think. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Don't care. I sat at my computer all day, blood, sweat, and tears over that. I'm just getting a little tear here. Well, are we going to mention what we finally finished? After a lot of torture... Our manual for our community program is finally done again. I took off that one part of the title because Kurt doesn't understand what the term cross-sector means. It just seemed awful pretentious. I took it off. Okay. So for those of you who know us and have read either the first or the second edition, we have a third edition of our, I like to call it a book. It's not a book. It's a manual, but it's a book. It Uh, has like over a hundred and... 30 pages it's a book eh, it's kind of a manual it's like something you get with a new car but way way more entertaining um no our manual so the first half of the book <laughs> is everything you could possibly need to know about anything opioid related up until like you know mm. now ish and then the second half is all the paperwork the workflows the every tip and trick you could come up with and my blood, sweat, and tears. So I had to type it all. Well, she's the typist. So we do have... Anyway. We have children running around the basement here at my house. So hopefully no one will break into this room and interrupt this podcast. But you never know. Anyway, it's funny. Okay, so today we are talking about alcohol use in older adults taking opioids. Yeah, and you know... Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's very frequent um, that you find patients who take opioids chronically who also drink, right? So, and I think it's pretty obvious that alcohol is involved in a lot of different overdose situations, and opioids is no exception. Here's what I think about the term obvious. Oh, it's obvious. Because I think, you know, up until all of a sudden, what, 2012, or when the whole overdose, opioid overdose pandemic, the whole... Pandemic, pandemic epidemic well i mean kind of let's be real here but when everything with the opioids started to happen and all of a sudden it was like everybody was talking about all these opioids and all of that i think over time since then we've started to now start talking about the other things yeah. like the other drugs the the methamphetamines the alcohols and you That's- know we just had a speaker on talking about the the co-occurrence of different use disorders and i think alcohol though when you're talking about obvious yes it's obvious it's a depressant you know kind of like opioids it's obvious because nine out of ten adults over the age of like 50 drink some alcohol so i mean it's it's obvious in that respect but i think because it's quote-unquote legal yes it isn't thought about as this frequent issue or this complication or this blah 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 nice tangent um but okay that wasn't it's totally legitimately so the problem legitimate the legit <laughs> legitimately. legitimately 
Um, but both work as kind of a CNS depressant. That's the problem. And you know, when we're talking about depressants, we're we're thinking about respiratory depression, and that's the problem. Um, so, is there a lot of research on this? The answer. Where's no. my one? No. There's a wah wah. There's no. I'm you, not going to try to find you, it. How many buttons can you hit? I should have um, brought my label maker I just bought <laughs> and put it. I'm I'm going to do that. I'm going to label these. You know, that's kind of an old person thing now that you're turning 40. Um, No, I actually just got a brand new one. It's digitalized. Still. So the organization more- does not make you old. It makes you intelligent and evolved. Okay, nice tangent again. But let's move <laughs> on to the alcohol situation. So if you look at patients who have opioid use disorders, right? The majority, a lot of them have chronic pain diagnosis, right? And so, in fact, almost a quarter have a diagnosis of alcohol use disorder also. Also. So So now we have three main big diagnoses. Yeah, that was a, uh, actually something that was came out of a study by a guy I don't even know. Yeah. It looks like his name you, is Her. You I just want to want talk to say, about being pretentious? Let's name every art, uh, author of every article we've ever read. But his name is so cool because it's H-S-E-R. It looks like Her, but every time you look at it, it's Hazur. Hazur. But anyway, um, there's, <laughs> there's also a, a pretty good study done by Kaiser. And I'm I, say, I don't even know how to raise my nose for you any higher in the air. <laughs> You know, I did a lot of work on this. Yeah, well, I don't think it's necessary to name every article. Yeah. well, We want to be approachable from the natural public and, you know. Well, you're not approachable. But anyway. If anybody wants any of the journal articles that we actually read from reputable sources, like actual journals, not Wikipedia, <laughs> please reach out to us at the Addiction Connection Podcast at Gmail. And Just, then we will gladly give you every article because Kurt has stacked taller than you yeah, know his soda can yeah. over here so there are they're all from articles yeah but anyway it's interesting because they took eleven thousand patients mm-hmm. that were on opioids and it's amazing because over 12 percent of these people had current alcohol use that's a, that's quite a bit it is and i think that that's the thing that we and have that was to think actually about. a decade ago yeah i mean we need to think about this if you and i've had this happen a couple times recently where i'm seeing patients who are on who were on opioids and they're drinking alcohol and no one was really aware of that. So it's interesting you said that because I just have a new patient who is a female in her 50s or something and she's coming in for her alcohol use disorder and she got on a tangent, speaking of me, and Mm. had a whole conversation with me about opioids and about patients who are on pain meds is how she referred to it as. And... Like, very intellectually asked me, like, is that something you recommend for your patients? And I'm like, what do you mean? Your patients that, you know, maybe used to use heroin and stuff. So she must know somebody, clearly. Should they really be drinking alcohol? (laughs) It was just very interesting because, I mean, she's coming at it from a person who's really, really, really struggling with her alcohol and then brought that up. So, anyway, just very interesting that patients who don't read the journals still mm. know the data. Oh, thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's the deal. There was another similar study. And and again, there aren't a lot of studies of this. But if we look at the study we just talked about, it's like, oh, maybe 12% of people are also drinking alcohol. But the question is how much? And they actually looked at 908 patients who were on chronic opioids and did a survey as to how much they were drinking. And So this it, is within the last month. Yeah. So 
over a third of them had at least one drink in a month. Yeah. Which is... And here's the scary part. eh. If you look at it, and again, they hit about 10%, which is not far from what the previous study showed. 10% had more than six drinks. In a month. In a month. But uh, 5.8% had more than 10. In a month. In a month. So, but what does that mean? Like, how much is that? Well, and more than 10 in a month. I mean, I wish this study broke it down. Because more than 10 in a month, that's every three days, roughly. But. You know, these are on chronic opioids, so I get the higher risk. Yes, of course. Typically, when people have a drink, though, it's, you know, it's... uh, it's a night they have two or three. Well, and that's that's my question is mm-hmm. how many is more than 10? Because more than 10 could be, yeah, I had one drink once a month or three yeah. every three days. but Or I had a case of beer every day still qualifies in the same designation. Correct. Yeah. Now, if we look at patients who present for alcohol now, use disorder treatment. data is crazy to me. Yeah. So we got patients and they're presenting for treatment. For alcohol use disorder. Which is only like 10% of all patients who have a diagnosable alcohol use disorder yep. present for actual treatment. Correct. So let's put that into perspective. And here's the interesting thing is that, you know, the studies were all kind of compared. And basically it comes down to this. About half of patients who have alcohol use disorder have a history of moderate to severe pain. And, and I think in our clinic we see this, and I saw this last week, a patient who was drinking and told me the reason they were drinking was their pain because no one would give them pain meds. And, of course, <laughs> they were drinking a liter a day. Right. Um, so it's pretty tough to decide to give that person opioids thinking they're just going to stop drinking. Um, but it is. It's like a, a very common treatment for chronic pain is is alcohol. And I, I've, I I've mean, heard that many times. It's It's the whole... Here's another tangent. I'll try to keep this one shorter. (laughs) It's the whole, though, actually talking with a patient and realizing that every single patient you will ever see in your life, and I just said that panel at the University of Minnesota for people who are interested in becoming family docs, and that was like the one thing. It's like every patient is so different. There isn't an easy family medicine day or an easy addiction day, but the thing is, is it's just like, People who say, oh, they're drinking because they're depressed or they're taking opioids because they're depressed or they had a bad life or they, you know, it's like really that finding out what happened to a person to really understand the whole dynamic is a lot. Yeah. So I think it's interesting when you say that, like that, that is a lot of percentage. Yeah. And I think that I hate to tangent on your tangent, (laughs) but you know, we do a scores on everybody and the patient I had today had an A score of like eight or nine and and honestly, when I kind of walked through some of it with her, uh, you know, obviously the prediction of, of where she she was going to end up was, you know, pretty obvious. Sitting right in front of you. Yeah. So it it, it really is. I think it's the, every patient has a story. And gosh, you probably should talk to them, Heather. Okay. You just made me think of another podcast. Okay. So. We are going to do a podcast. On? On. Like that exactly what you just said like when you get that a score and and this won't have any data or anything it's just going to be more of us chatting about Mm. why we get the a score what does it mean to you what does it mean to me how do you talk about that paper with that patient right in front of you yeah and how does it go to the next generation but anyway so what what's the real problem with alcohol 
in older adults? I mean, why is it different and why? Why, why is, is alcohol different in older adults? Because I think generally when you speak to if my generation, so under 40. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I can say that for a couple more weeks compared to the over 70 crowd. Yeah. Okay. Especially our drinks of choice are very different. Well, the highballs. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just a weird. So that's what I find interesting talking to patients. It's like, huh, just to hear what they're drinking. But no, that's not really what we're getting at here. No. It's, it's. I was waiting for how you to our stop. bodies like break things down. It's the physiology. physiology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about physiology. And so when we look at people as they as they age, so that's why my skin is nicer and taut than yours. <laughs> I think <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Um, but they. No, don't. There it but is. But changes, <laughs> changes really cause the following. Number one, I think one of the biggest problems is that uh, blood alcohols will be much higher in, in an older adult with just one drink uh, for multiple reasons. There's bigger impairment and balance. Well, but which, I think the point of why is the blood alcohol higher is important. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think because that's not on your list yet. Um, not yet. No, that doesn't come into here. Actually, it doesn't. I know that because I've watched this talk. No, but I think it's important to explain because this is one of those places where when we are talking to people who have been on opiates a really, really, really long time, you know, those legacy patients, and then you're finding out, oh, they're drinking, and it's like, okay, how do you explain this to the patient? It's regardless of your liver status, which if we're talking alcohol, who knows, or regardless of, you know, maybe they have perfect kidney function. It still isn't the same as what it was when they were 40 and started on their pain meds, potentially. Yeah. And, or when, you know, the alcohol. And so it's important for them to be able to explain to the patient that the way your body breaks things down is different yep. as you get older. And that would explain some of why the blood alcohol is higher. And I think, too, we always, again, we have to always think about women and how they, they don't metabolize it as fast. And so especially in women as they're getting older, that can make a big difference. Um, one of the other reasons it's really important, uh, these changes in the higher blood alcohol, of course, is because balance becomes an issue as people get older. And clearly when you're drinking alcohol, uh, that's a balance issue. And it can be, so it can be exacerbated. It can be much worsened. So Much worsened? Much worsened? Not much Much worse. more worse. Much worse. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and, of course, this leads to slower reaction times. Uh, people, uh, you know, don't drive as well. And, yeah, seen a couple incidences with that. Incidents. Um, and, of course, we always have to think about the cognitive side. Some of the memory deficits, the other things that can be affected by the alcohol over time. Right. And so it's it's, again, looking at that whole patient. You know, if they're already at an advanced age and falling and fracturing something or fracturing something and then falling is a real fear, which it is. And pretty much anybody over the age of 60 or 70, now you're throwing alcohol on top of it would also, you know, like you said, exacerbates that. And yeah. you're just increasing that whole fatality risk. Yeah. It's the harm. I mean, it just increases alcohol related harm. And so if we look at older adults on opioids, you know, how often, is alcohol a big issue? And I talked a little bit about how, you know, nine out of 10 people in developed countries actually drink alcohol over the age of 50. So, you know, at varying amounts, obviously. But I think that we have to understand is that 
when they did a study once in the United Kingdom, 20% of, of that group of drinkers actually consumed very hazardous levels. Right. So it's so, like greater than 10 drinks in a month is mm-hmm. a lot more extreme than just hazardous. a drink. Right. Hazardous levels. The yeah. orange traffic cones is what I picture. And the question, of course, is it getting better or worse? No, the last 10 years has actually gotten much worse. Yeah, in the older people. Like your age group. <laughs> older than me. <laughs> now I know what button it is. Yeah, yeah. here's finally, you can remember that. <laughs> Just um, for now. And actually, it's it's interesting. It's blue you, like your eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to be black and blue. Um, so, what, up to 65%. More yeah, current? a 65% jump in the amount of alcohol. Over the last 10 years. Yeah. In those over the age of 65. Yeah, so it's 65 twice. And and I think that, you know, people think, ah, you know, how often do you really have trouble? I mean, you know, I mean, I don't remember the last time, but <laughs> there's, there's some data that shows that older adults are actually hospitalized as often for alcohol-related problems and accidents. As they are for heart disease. So, but here's the question. Okay. How often is it understood that that is the underlying? You know, in the study, yes, because you asked the specific question, but how often do you see a person of older age and they're in the hospital for some reason? Okay, it's not heart disease. But how often is it noted that it's due to alcohol consumption? I don't know. That is my question because. Mm I bet it's under way underreported because people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And the you know some of the falls sneak by and they don't know that it was alcohol. Right, it's easy yeah. to say, "Oh, I just tripped on my walker." Yeah. And, you know, my puppy. And child who is never going to get the straight answer out of their parent because the parent is upset that the child is now taking care of them, and so there's already that weird dynamic, and so there's no way anyone's going to get the truth out. No. So what's the bottom line? Let's just let's just summarize this whole thing and move on. And I'll I've got a gopher issue in the back. I got to get back to. But it, you know, we talked about that. We talked about that last time. We're gonna let that one go. Yeah, I mean, it's like anyway. Okay, so, so you need to ask about alcohol intake. Yeah, I mean, you gotta ask, and I think that we we need to talk to patients about co-use and the, the dangers because it is and. No, I think there just has to be. Overall, I think we all would agree that patients have to be screened more often for opioid use disorder. For any use and, disorder? Oh, uh, really for any use disorder. And if they have an adverse event, you need to ask those questions when they come to the hospital and they're, they broke their hip, you know, uh, so, before they go into withdrawal. So, and I think this is where, depending on our demographic of who's listening to us, which of course we don't know, is I think this is where it's very challenging. Also on that panel yesterday, it was interesting to see who everybody on this panel, like the different age demographics. And one of the challenges that was asked, like what's your most challenging thing about being a family doc was, you know, for me still on the younger end of that, I was the youngest still on that panel. It was very challenging for me as a young female coming into a rural community where that was not accepted versus some of the older males on the panel, different experience. But as a younger person, whether you're a resident or a PA student or any random other person, it's hard to ask your older adults the questions about alcohol. Mm. I mean, it's hard to ask any of the screening questions for for providers in general, about um, use disorders and screening for that, but it's easier to avoid 
Well, to just sit like there sex. and say, just like sex stuff. Okay, seventy-five-year-old at mm-hmm. your Medicare annual wellness visit, like, you know, your do you have do you have your um healthcare directive on file? Sure, yep, you do. Okay, um, do you smoke? Nope, I see you quit in nineteen forty-five. Okay, <laughs> are you drinking any alcohol? Oh, you know, once in a while, like you know, drink my share. But like, to to pursue that further is hard. Yep got to become more normalized it does so but i mean do you run into i mean i don't know if you personally but often sometimes these older adults are accompanied by their children and it's almost like being in the room with a teenager you got to kick the parent out being in the room with the older adult you got to kick the kid out yeah and often they're looking at you oh nice that was my kid calling me Uh, yeah that's supposed to be off i know okay so we're gonna wrap this up with a casey uh from battle eggs uh, Battleheads on Spotify. He's going to throw another tune at us, and I guess we'll just chat with everybody next week.